Hey, thanks for taking a few minutes today to tune in. We pray that no matter where you're listening from, these messages are engaging, encouraging, and relevant to where you are on your life's journey. We're in a series called Asking for a Friend. And it's a series that's based around questions that friends, aka lots of us, have about faith and the existence of God. And if you were here last week, man, were you treated to an amazing message by doctor, pastor, friend, father, Ron Powell. Thank you so much for sharing uh, last week. Uh, he actually shared on a very, a very deep, very tough, that 25 minutes cannot even scratch the, like, the, like you could just feel a little bit of it, but you have to dive deeper. He talked about, I want to believe, but doesn't science disprove God's existence? And we came to understand that actually the deeper and deeper you go into trying to understand science, the more evidence and more proof there is that there is a creator, that there is a supreme being. And then you actually looked at like famous scientists throughout time that actually believed in God. And science would try to push back the fact that there, that there is no creator, but the deeper you go, um, evidence speaks for itself. If you did, if you weren't here last week, you got to you got to catch it online. Go to our website and uh, go to messages and jump down and it is there and listen to it while you go to sleep, while you wake up, while you're driving your car. Just listen to them. It was, it was a good message. Today we're going to tackle a topic that um, is the hardest one yet. It is so hard that I considered getting somebody else to speak about it. But the reality is, is that I hope that throughout this series as a church, as a congregation, as friends and family, we know one thing about Discovery Church, and that is that we're not going to back away from tough conversations. For way too long, it seems as though We've, we've stuck our heads into the ground and hope that situations and, and things go away. And we, all of our friends have these questions about, about faith and God's existence. But we're kind of like, well, it just, just, just believe, just have faith, just step up. Like, sometimes that just doesn't cut it. Okay? Today, honestly, is the hardest one. And you'll know why when I say it. It says, I want to believe, but why would a loving God send people to hell? Can we pray before we jump in? God, we just thank you this morning for your scripture. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, as we jump in, our hearts and minds are already turned off because of mentioning this topic. God, would you give us the ability to push in? God, this morning, would you mold our hearts and our minds to hear from you in your name? Amen. The concept of hell is one of the greatest stumbling stumbling blocks for us, especially in the Western world. For many people, for many of your friends, even possibly for us, maybe you're here this morning, this is the ultimate deal breaker on if God actually exists. Maybe you've heard something or maybe you've thought something like this, that hell is a disgusting doctrine that I can't stomach. And if Christians say that hell exists and that God created it, so quite simply, I don't want anything to be, do with Christians. I don't want to be a Christian or I don't want to believe in a biblical God. We probably have heard something along those lines. 
There are a few obstacles that are hard to get over. And these are, these are a couple. How can an all-loving God judge people and send them to hell? Why does God condemn people eternally for what they do in a finite amount of time? Why is it necessary for hell to involve a kind of torture? These are all obstacles that so many people, so many of us, so many of the 300,000 people in Edmonton that don't even know that God exists have to wrestle with. And as Christians, we can hide away from hard topics or we can walk with grace and understanding with the Holy Spirit and say, okay, God, help me understand it. Help me discuss it. Help me talk about But it's tough. I get it. I would agree with C.S. Lewis when he writes this. There is no doctrine which I would be more, there is no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than this, if it were in my power, but it has full scriptural support. See, when talking about hell, it is really easy to pick and choose our scripture. Say, well, I don't want to believe this scripture, but I want to believe this one because this one makes me feel really good, but I don't want to tackle this scripture because this actually doesn't allow me to sleep with my girlfriend. I, well, I want this one because he says that I'm, he's, he's my provider, but I don't want this one because he asked me to give money to, to the church so the, the mission can go on. I don't, and we pick and choose scripture sometimes. And it seems as though this is what we do when it comes to hell at times. But first Tim, or Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We don't just get to pick and choose what scripture we want to live by. All scripture is God-breathed and is important. You may remember the first time you were, heard the word hell. It was probably used out of context, maybe Somebody told you to go to hell or maybe somebody stubbed their toe and said, man, that hurts like hell. Totally out of context. I remember some of the earliest moments in my life where I've heard about hell. And maybe if you grew up in, in a traditional Christian worldview you may be able to feel some of the same thoughts that I felt. I remember scare tactics that would try to scare me and my friends into becoming a Christian. I remember going to church Sunday nights and to youth group and they would be like teaching about hellfire and brimstone or turn and burn or what if you stepped outside the church today and you got hit by a bus? I'm like, for one, the only buses that ever come through my community are school buses because there's no public transit in a town of 600 people in Outport, Newfoundland. Okay, what if you stepped outside of the, outside of the church and you got hit by a skidoo? More like it. What if you got hit, eaten by a moose? That's more like it. Why, where would you go? Where would you go into hell and be tortured forever? Or would you go into eternity with heaven? And we would, we would have these scare tactics trying to drive us into a relationship with God. Now, I hope, I hope, I hope that people's hearts were pure and, and tried to do whatever they could to help me identify that I needed a relationship with God. But in this time, it scared the out of me. It scared me to the core. 
But I think many of us would agree that fear is not a good motivator. Fear might, might cause outward actions, but fear very rarely ever makes an inward change. And Jesus says, we, I want an inward change. I want people to become disciples, not just look and act like Christians. But Jesus said, go and make disciples. I don't think he was telling us to go and fear people and scare people into a relationship with Jesus. Because sometimes things done out of fear, we actually start growing resentment. And even though we might look like one thing, our hearts are never changed. And God is not about us just looking like Christians. God is about us being Christians. The teaching on hell, I I would say in, in my context, okay? In my context growing up has been mishandled. If you look throughout history and in many other contexts, it's actually been mishandled as well. But we're going to do a little bit. We're going to try our hardest this morning to not mishandle talking about hell and ignoring it it's not an option there's so much scriptural evidence is what uh, Jesus talked about it a lot when he was walking on earth so as a church as a leader we we are we need to talk about the existence of hell we do if we don't we're not doing justice to scripture and I think we're doing a disservice to God. But here are a couple of opinions that people have against hell. Many people would say that hell is repulsive. A few weeks back, we were talking in, a, in a, one of our messages, one of our talks. And we came to an understanding just because we don't like it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And we might feel that hell is repulsive, but that doesn't prove whether or not it's true. Another objection that people would have against hell is that hell is unjust. The punishment doesn't fit the crime. This is a view that many of us would probably hold probably today. But if you remember just a few minutes ago, I talked about the viewpoint in our Western world. Some of our views come because of where we live. Go to some other cultures. Go to some tribes in Africa where women and children are abused and raped and killed and mutilated and left to die. And ask some of those individuals, say, hey, hell just seems a little unjust. Well, I think they would return to you and say, well, if hell doesn't exist, then God's not a just God. Because they're living in a culture that the only thing that they can grasp to is that God will, will, will punish those individuals and he will act justly. Even throughout this series, I think we have to come to an understanding that there are cultural blind spots that we have in Edmonton and in Canada and North America and the Western world because we have some privileges that not all the other worlds or other parts of the world has. And we have some cultural blind spots, things that make us feel a certain way that actually it probably doesn't make all of humanity feel that way. And we're trying to make uh, teachings and, and philosophies and theologies on our feelings And we have cultural blind spots. 
Another objection people have against hell is this, that isn't hell a torture chamber? And this is where I would have landed. And sometimes I still find myself landing there because I'm still in process. I'm still trying to understand all this out. So if you're here today and you're kind of like, man, I just don't understand all this stuff. Welcome, you're in the right place because we're, we say that we, we value process is that everybody's on a journey and that there's one step at a time. I don't understand it all either. But I've probably asked this question before. How could a loving God, just because I don't obey him and do what he wants, torture me forever? Can I take a moment to challenge some of these three objections? Specifically, the third is in hell, a torture chamber. The image of God holding people over fire and over flames and burning them forever is just an example of how we can misread the Bible without taking in account cultural or taking in a, a cultural, historical, and literary, 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 here I got it, literary backgrounds. Everybody's like afraid to like laugh now because it's such a tough topic. Right? It's kind of like, you can still laugh, okay? But we have a tendency, I have a tendency to misread the Bible and not factor in account, a, a, a cultural, historical, and literary backgrounds. See, Matthew records uh, Jesus saying, there's going to be fire, utter darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth when he's describing hell. But without going deep and spending a ton of time, because we don't have a ton of time on a Sunday morning, and I hope that it drives you to go home and to search. Don't just Google search. Don't just go, go somewhere significant. I have resources. I can give them to you. But I don't think that we all the time take in a cultural context. We need to look at the cultural context of the writing. And at the time of Jesus, when Jesus was teaching, and when Jesus said this, fire was often associated with judgment. Now, don't take what I say next. This is just, this is just a thought. Don't take it next and run home and, and say anything to your, your friends. Don't post on social media that Pastor Lauren said this and he's going to, no, don't say, but Jesus might have been teaching us about the nature of hell, not the literal experience. Just a thought. Just sometimes we can take stuff that's said and forget to look at cultural context, literary context, and we, we formulate our own opinions. And I'm not saying that hell doesn't exist and that, that hell doesn't, there's not fire and there's, there's not weeping and gnashing of teeth. But the debate should go a little bit deeper than that. We can debate if hell is a physical torture chamber, but we're missing the main point. We're missing Something that's so important. Hell, whether or not a physical place, this is what hell is though. It is a place of emotional, psychological, and relational suffering and anguish. Revelations 20, 15 says, there there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
I wonder if it's not just trying to convey that there's actually going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth, but maybe it's trying to convey that hell is awful, hopeless, a lonely existence. A place that we wouldn't desire to send our worst enemy. I think he might be trying to tell us that hell is, is the opposite of everything good. There's no pleasure, there's no joy, there's no love, there's no grace. That hell is not awful because of what exists there, the torture, but hell is awful because of what doesn't exist there or what we cannot access. The real reason that hell is such an awful place is because you cannot experience the presence of God there. And so many times I think we can get caught up in the the fact that there's going to be fire or if there's going to be little demons running around nipping at your your heels and and we're going to be tortured for for eternity. But the the biggest torture, the biggest setback is that we're, we're going to be absent, that we can't access God's presence. Is that we're, we're in a Christless eternity forever and ever and ever and ever. And sometimes we get caught up in this idea that, that well, it's going to be torturous. Yeah, not necessarily just because there might be fire, but because God's presence cannot be accessed. The common grace, blessing, and comfort that, that he provides to us all is no longer available. Let me explain a little bit. Sorry for my dry throat. God is the life-giving source of everything in the universe. Everything good that we experience in life. The joy of pleasure, all laughter, art, music, food, sex, water. You get it, everything. God is the creator of it. God is the source for it. All things that we experience today is given to us by his common grace. What are we left with if his presence and this kind of grace is not available? Nothing. That is hell. Mark Clark writes in his book, he says, In one sense, hell can be understood as the outworking of our choice to experience total autonomy from God. We we are allowed to be our own God and we are allowed to sustain and provide for ourselves. The problem is that it's impossible. And we are thus left with nothing because everything came from his hand. When talking about hell, I'm talking about God. A common thought by many is that God is happy punishing people. It's probably where I fell as a kid, that God is happy about punishing people and and, and putting them in hell. Can I break that lie apart this morning? Can, can we allow the Holy Spirit to infuse this room in our lives and to, to separate and to explode that lie? Because that is not true. The truth is God is not happy about this punishment. 
We read a story in Luke 16. And Jesus is telling a story and he has this conversation with a man that is in hell for eternity. There's a conversation between God and this man. And if you keep reading, there's a word that God calls this man. He doesn't call him a sinner. He doesn't call him wretched. He doesn't call him lost. There's a man in hell. And he calls him my child. Here's someone that's lost for eternity. And God still calls him his child. Someone who has chosen to be separated from God forever. God still has compassion. He still has love. See, God's not happy about people going to hell. Actually, he never created hell for humans. He never created hell for us to ever experience. Matthew 25, 41 tells us that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. That's why hell exists. Because of their rebellion. But when people choose to follow the devil and his kind of rebellion, they end up where rebellion ends up. In a place that is absent from God's presence and grace. That's a sad reality. But God's not happy about it. Actually, God's heart is broken when people go into a Christless eternity. Because God desires nothing more to be with you. He desires nothing more than being in a relationship with you and for you to experience his presence, not just for eternity, but today. Kristen, if I can have you come back to the keys, that'd be awesome. Hell is a topic that so many people completely stay away from. And I don't stand up here today claiming that I know everything. Actually, the more that I try to understand that I know, the more that I realize that I don't know. And that's probably like a lot of us in this room. And I know that in 25 and 30 minutes... that we're not going to do justice on such a tough, heavy topic. I agree with C.S. Lewis. If there was one thing that I wish that I could remove from Christianity and it would be this idea, this, this concept of hell. But I can't because there's so much scriptural reference that I just can't. And when we talk about a heavy topic like this, it is, is really easy and it has the potential for us just to close off to the idea of God altogether. Say, you know what? I'd rather not believe in a supreme being because I don't want to believe in the existence of hell. 
And I hope today something that I said, something that was done helps you understand, helps us see that hell was actually never created for us. That hell was created out of a place of rebellion of Satan and his fallen angels that God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. He doesn't, not because, it's not because of torture and, and, and fire and, and like I said, little demons running around nipping at your feet. That's not an accurate depiction of what hell looks like. The reality, the reason that God doesn't want to send anybody to hell is because he wants you to be in his presence for eternity. That's why. That's not being in his presence is greater torture than anything we could ever experience. The reality of the hell might scare some of us. In a moment, I'm going to ask if there's anyone here that has never given their lives to Christ, that today could be your day that you step into God's presence. The reality of there's a place that God's presence is not accessible to us is true. But God's presence is accessible to us today. And in a moment, there are gonna be some people that are gonna make a decision, but can I ask that don't make it out of fear because fear won't change your inner being. Can I encourage you to don't Surrender your life to Jesus from what you're trying to run from. But would you surrender your life to Jesus because of who you're running to? See, fear of hell keeps us from what is most important. See, fear doesn't create true obedience. It only creates outward compliance that will only last for a season. One more quote from the book. Says hell is real and scary, but in that there's a seriousness that can give away to security if we trust in the one who took sin on himself for us. God worked through his son, driven by love and a desire for none to perish, to save us from hell and, and something glorious and wonderful or save us from hell to something glorious and wonderful. So in the long run, the answer to all those who object to the doctrine of hell, it is itself a question. What are you going, what are you asking God to do to wipe out the past sins and the damned and all that co all costs to give them a fresh start, smoothing every difficulty and offering ever, offering every miraculous help? He has done so in Jesus. Are you asking God to forgive them? They do what they, they do not want to be forgiven. Are you asking God to leave them alone? I'm afraid that is what he does. The reality of it is, 
Discovery Church, friends, family, that it might have been a time in your life and there might be time, your time might be right now that you're just asking, God, can you just leave me alone? You don't want that. Every good and perfect gift that we encounter today comes from him. And the greatest gift that we can ever step into is salvation. Is an acknowledging of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and stepping into a relationship with him, into his presence, into a relationship that radically changes your life, not out of fear, but out of obedience. Not out of duty, but out of delight. Would you pray with me? God, in this moment, I hope and I pray that something that was said, something that was done would open our eyes to the reality that hell is real. But God, not get us caught up in what we're running away from, but get us caught up in what we're running to. God, for those individuals here today that that are hearing this message or at Discovery Church for the first time or have not made a decision, would you would you just solidify in their hearts and their minds right now? And, and um, could I just ask, it's, while every eyes bowed, every heads bowed, every eyes closed, if you're here and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus today, you might your life might not look like what you think a Christian life should look like. Would you just raise your hand and signify that you want to make a decision to follow Jesus today? another moment thank you God in this moment would you help us chase after you would you change our hearts and change our minds would we not operate out of fear but God would be operative urgency that you don't want people to go into a, a Christless eternity. God, you created us to be in your presence forever. And God, would we do our part to share the reality of hell, but from the place that you do not want anybody to go there because you want us with you. So God, today, would you solidify those things in our hearts and our minds in your name? Amen. There are so many questions that you may have about faith in Jesus. Can I encourage you to explore those questions for yourself? God is not afraid of your questions. Rather, he welcomes them. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play and be sure to never miss an episode. If you find these talks beneficial, Will you rate and review them? That would help others get connected to these kinds of talks. Have a great day. Can't wait to hang with you again next week.